Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your mind, maybe we never infect you with an intestine-devouring green slime. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So... Tonight we are continuing our horror at the hospital theme with the 2004 Japanese flick Infection. Uh, So this was directed by, I I apologize for all the names, I'm probably going to get wrong tonight, but this was directed by Masayuki Ochiai, uh, who did the films Shudder, as well as Juon, The Beginning of the End, and I believe they did another Juon, The Grudge sequel as well. Uh, It was written by Ochiai and based on a story by Ryochi Kimizuka. Uh, And it stars Koichi Sato as Akiba, who also appears in the film Spiral, and the 2007 Smile, not the recent Smile, the 2007 film, (laughs) Masanobu Takashima as Dr. Uozumi, who was in one of my personal favorite Godzilla films, Godzilla vs. Biolanti. Just because I think Biolanti is such a fucking cool monster. (laughs) Is Biolanti your favorite? It's not my favorite, it's just... Up there it's somewhere up there. for me. Okay. Yeah. No, one of my my favorites are almost anything that involves Ghidorah because I love Ghidorahs. Fair <laughs> enough. Let's see. Shiro Sano as Dr. Akai, uh, who was in the film Evil Dead Trap 2, which I suggest checking out if you want some bonkers Asian cinema. It's currently on Shudder, uh, as well as Godzilla 2000, and I believe he's in a couple other Godzilla films as well. Uh, and then lastly, Kaho Minami as the head nurse. None of the nurses have names in this movie which i'm sure we might talk about (laughs) as we go on but let's see she was also in uh, a few godzilla films including godzilla giant monsters all out attack Uh, and for those of you that have never seen infection it's basically about a hospital staff at a pretty rundown hospital that seems to have like no funding whatsoever (laughs) and during the night shift they get this patient in who has some kind of strange infection and keeping any spoilers out of it over the course of the night they find themselves being infected with this strange infection and succumbing to some pretty horrific stuff (laughs) shit goes sideways (laughs) shit goes sideways pretty quickly so for those you've never seen it it is not streaming unfortunately i think we would both recommend checking this out though this is a fantastic japanese horror film uh, so if you're into asian horror cinema i i cannot recommend this strongly enough it feels like one of those two that's very highly underseen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, I almost never hear anybody talk about this movie, because it's obviously not up there in the popularity of something like The Rain or The Grudge or, you know, any of those iconic movies. But mm-hmm. Infection is a great film. Definitely recommend checking it out before listening to this so it's not spoiled for you, <laughs> because we are going to spoil everything. Yep. Uh, but before we get into that, we have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content, so we'll let you know when we're getting into spoilers. So, as usual, just the tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So, the tagline for Infection was, Death is just a breath away. <laughs> so, what do you think of the tagline, <laughs> or what do you think of Infection overall? <laughs> I mean, what? What? I, 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 now, granted, I don't know if this is like an English translation or not. This uh-huh. is just what I found in IMDb, because I didn't <laughs> see a tagline on the poster, but... <laughs> It sounds like a song lyric to me, yeah. you know? Like, love is just a breath away. <laughs> but this time it's death. Death is just a breath away. Um, I mean, I guess they're not wrong, but... Yeah, I mean, so so here's the thing. Like, I, I do feel that it's effective in a sense because it's an infection, right? Uh-huh. And, and, you know, an airborne infection. And, you know, having just... Having lived through and still going through COVID, especially, oh, and, shit, and, being, yeah. and being conscious of this stuff, you know... <laughs> It, it makes a lot more sense when you think about it that way. Like, shit, like, death really is a breath away, you That's know? That's going to be the tagline <laughs> for COVID. 
COVID has many taglines. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just one of them. Uh, no, but I, I love Infection. Infection actually was one of the earliest Japanese horror films that I saw. I didn't see The Grudge first. I didn't see The Ring first. Um, I want to say both of those were way down the line. Um, mm. I definitely was one of those, like, and still kind of am one of those little weeaboo shits. Because, like, I loved loved manga, loved anime. I was in Japanese language classes in, in college, which is when I started watching Japanese horror films. Which I was into Japanese horror films before I was into American. Yeah, um, well, they're great, so. <laughs> they're amazing. But, yeah, no, I really like Infection, and in terms of, like, Japanese horror, sometimes it can get, like, a little confusing or tough to follow, like, with movies like The Grudge. And mm. one of the things that I like for Infection and as, like, a first Japanese horror film is this one's kind of straightforward. Like, it's a little bit more straightforward. Is it? Kind of. <laughs> I, like, I in comparison to some other ones. <coughs> um, hard disagree. <laughs> I don't... I don't... I Infection is... We're, look, we're spo- we'll apparently well, argue about this. Uh, spo- spoiler free in this yeah. segment here, but like, infection is not a straightforward movie. Like that, <laughs> like certain it's not certain, not straightforward. Certain elements are straightforward mm-hmm. as far as like character motivation and stuff like that. But there, but there is a lot of cerebral stuff going on here. You know, li- like like much of the Japanese horror realm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there is a lot of just really hardcore, <laughs> like, mind fuckery. <laughs> I think that's why for me, Infection feels, in terms of Japanese horror, there's, you're right, there's a lot of mind fuckery, there's a lot of weirdness, and I think in comparison to other Japanese horror films, this one's not as mind fuckery as it could have been. I still disagree, but we'll Fine. get into that, so... So no, look. I mean, this was one of my earliest uh, Japanese horror films as well that I caught. I I honestly don't remember why I sought it out or like what led me to it. You know, I, I'm pretty sure that audition was my first. Audition broke my my Japanese horror cherry. And <laughs> <laughs> what a movie to lose it to! Oh hell yeah, I love that film. Um, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was audition. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but but Infection I did see early on. I just don't remember if it was like a Netflix suggestion or if like I read about it, you know, I, I just have no idea, but, but yeah, no, it is one of those films that has stuck with me ever since I caught it, uh, probably around the time it came out, I think. And just because the, there's so much about it that's haunting, mm-hmm. you know, like even just from the opening image of like the red siren flashing and you hear the dialogue kind of going over, you know, yeah. talking about this infected patient like, I, I have scripts that I've, well, not scripts, one script. I I, ha- I have been inspired by that moment, you know, to include something similar in things that I've written, you know, just because mm-hmm. it it's one of those, like, opening scenes that's always just stuck with me. Yeah. And it's so simple, you know? It's just it's just a still shot of a flashing siren. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just something about it that's just so haunting and, you know, provocative because you're like, what's going on? What is this infected patient? And it's just a really, really well-directed film. And so is Shudder. If you've never mm-hmm. seen Shudder, you should check out the director's uh, other work, but and that film in particular. But but no, it's it's a great movie, and it's just really well shot, you know? Yep. Like, I... Th- there's a very, like... There's a skill set in directing horror, you know? Yes. And, and, and people don't always realize this, you know, because horror is kind of that genre that I think everyone jumps into at first, because it's generally the easiest to get made you can mm-hmm. kind of make it on a low budget and get a pass you know because uh, a lot of us horror fans don't really mind a low budget and mm-hmm. and, uh, and you know lack of quality and look as long as it's as long as you're giving us some fun stuff right yeah and you know there's a skill set in directing horror not just in building up scares but in also just creating an atmosphere you know mm-hmm. it's a very particular style of like directing and editing and infection just completely nails it for me like this movie is just dripping in atmosphere for days <laughs> and, and like one of my favorite shots and this is not a spoiler is after a certain thing has disappeared and we're looking in on the hospital staff from this vent and we just slowly pull the camera back as if we're moving back deeper into the vent like we are a thing that's been watching them and it's just like just little stuff like that, just so subtle but so creepy. <laughs> yeah, like it, I agree with you. It does have a great atmosphere, and plus for me, it's got some really good like 
gore and scares and stuff with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even know yeah. if I go gore since a lot of the quote unquote gore is like green goop. But <laughs> look, Nickelodeon slime can be terrifying to some people. Nickelodeon slime is a good way to discover it I, or to describe it. This is the Nickelodeon slime, the movie. You know, yes. this is the blob, but Nickelodeon slime, but not the blob. <laughs> this is the Japanese Nickelodeon blob movie. Yeah, they're all secretly in a game show and are just getting slimed every time <laughs> one of them is knocked out. So, so no, it's just it's just a perfect little creepy mood setter and. It, so we are going to move into spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen it, please do go rent it. Check it out. Don't want to spoil this one for you. Well worth seeing. Uh, but with that being said, spoiler time. So let's just start off with the cast themselves, really, and the hospital staff in general. What do you think of these people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, these people have some, uh, they got some issues. They got some problems. They have some issues. Yes, uh, that's one way to say it. <laughs> Look, I one of the things that I think is really interesting, you know, we're talking about atmosphere with this film, and they do a really good job in kind of these opening scenes to introduce us to just how fucked up this hospital is. Because, yeah. like, this hospital is, you know, absolutely falling apart. There's parts of it that are getting renovated. Like, Oh, it's, it's, it's the type of hospital where, like... You get tetanus going there. Yeah. The, the title is perfect because it looks like a hospital that you will definitely get an infection in. Yes. <laughs> like everything is just run down. The walls are dirty. It's so decrepit. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you can practically feel like the dust in the air. Right. It just <laughs> like everything about this hospital feels dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an absolute nightmare. And then like on top of that, you can tell the entire staff is overworked. They have next to no supplies. They're ostensibly working with nothing trying to help people. Mm. And so it's one of those things that I think it's interesting setting that up because you could almost forgive the staff in a way because they're under such pressure and everything like that. If this wasn't a staff of fuck ups, well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, yes, you certainly don't forgive the staff for being fuck ups, and th yeah. th this is something that I think that infection does just right away with the characters, you know, because we spend like the first fifteen minutes kind of getting a a feel for all of these people mm -hmm. and their various fuck uppery <laughs> and issues and yet um, never learning the nurses goddamn names <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know <laughs> i i don't know if that's like uh, a th i mean i can't imagine that it's a thing in japan that you just don't refer to any nurses by their name yeah so it you know it, it, it i don't want to i don't want to accuse the movie of this it could certainly be the sexist nature of the filmmakers you know like i know japan's a little not <laughs> equal it's, on a lot of levels so so i don't know i don't know why there are no names for the women but it is definitely frustrating when you're trying to talk about a movie and every character is just named nurse <laughs> exactly look we're gonna be reduced to like things like head nurse bitchy nurse and then the two other ones the syringe nurse <laughs> yeah i think we could go with head nurse bitchy nurse rookie nurse and that other girl <laughs> yeah the other the yeah. other one the murder um, girl so so i mean but but here's the thing like aside from that the I do think that it takes a really interesting approach to this hospital staff and really just the, the way that it, the way that it kind of sheds a light on hospital staffs in general, you know, from, from two different sides, because on one side you have sort of like this mistrust that works into like the public's view of doctors, you know, because mm -hmm. there is, there's certainly a divide between, you know, the public and medical workers like not not necessarily like the nursing staff or you know something like that or or like any specific doctor but you know there's definitely a bit of a mistrust between us and the healthcare system right yeah like we we They're feel out to screw us over yeah we feel like the healthcare system's out to screw us over we feel like it's unfair which it definitely is mm -hmm. <laughs> and 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 you know and, and it is difficult to trust sometimes because you know as someone who has had issues and many of you out there have probably experienced this you know, you start to get a little fucking pissed off when every person you go to is just like, I don't know, maybe it's stress, you know? Like, there, yeah. There's actually a really great movie about that called Hypochondriac, uh, where this guy is kind of losing his mind and every doctor keeps telling him that. And, you know, it's just an indictment on the medical profession because it, it, it you know, it, it shows us the fact that we want to believe that every doctor and every nurse and all these people that have our health in their hands, we want to believe that they're all 
extremely professional, extremely intelligent, and know exactly what they're doing. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is they're human, they're and not all, not all of them do, you know? Just yeah. like none of us are perfect at our jobs. And yeah. so, so you kind of get that side of it with this whole staff that kind of sucks at yes. different parts of their job, you know? <laughs> like, they don't all suck at everything, but, like, yeah, you got the syringe girl who just... Maybe she's a good nurse, but for the love of God, she cannot she stick find, someone's vein. She cannot find a fucking vein. <laughs> she, she can't do, like, one of the most basic parts, you know, of nursing. parts of nursing. And then, you know, you have, uh, th- what is it, the other one who, <laughs> who you know, is forgetful. And, like, we one of their opening scenes is this patient that has their ankle broken <laughs> because they fell out of bed crying out for people and no one ever came. And she's yep. one of the ones responsible for that, right? Yeah. So, so you have these different various ways in which the staff is not good at their job and that highlights our mistrust of the medical staff or, or of the healthcare uh, industry. But then on the other hand... You know, there's something going on here that really made me reflect, especially on like the COVID era, where you see you see how understaffed they are. Yes. You see how overworked they are and overwhelmed and stressed they are mm-hmm. because this is a hospital without funding. Uh, we get the sense that something's happened, which we'll go into that in a minute. You know, for whatever reason, they don't have the money. They don't have the staff. They seem to only be able to hire incompetent people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And, and and they've been working God knows how many hours. Yeah. And you just really start to feel for them because, you know, I just found myself thinking back to, like, you know, the, the peak COVID days. And, and it's not like – and, you know, we're still kind of going through this in some places. But, like, the peak COVID days where you just have hospital staff, you know, working 80 hours, yeah. <laughs> you know, back to back or whatever. And they're understaffed and overwhelmed. and. You know, it's understandable when things start to get fucked up and, uh, you know, people are making mistakes. And that's why people, you know, should maybe fucking consider that sometimes (laughs) when they're going out and getting themselves sick on purpose. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think that that is one of the things that Infection does a really good job of showing is just like, you know, you do have doctors like Dr. Um, Akiba, who does seem to genuinely care about his patients. You know, he wants to do right by everybody. But the head nurse calls him out on it that they don't they don't have the staff. They just lost nine nurses. They have no supplies and they mm. have to make the choice of accepting more patients and being able to care for their community or focusing on the ones that they do have. And they even put in there that like some of the patients that they are looking after have nowhere else to go. So they don't really have a lot of options with even freeing up beds, even if they wanted to. So Infection does a really good job of kind of showing that nature of like hospital and doctor stuff, the overwork, the stress, the extreme pressure all these guys are under. But then, yeah, you know, we haven't talked about uh, Dr. Ozumi yet, who's played by um, um, Masanobu Takashima. Mm. And, like, he is very clearly, you know, our doctor who's in it for the money. Because he really does not care about his patients. Like, Mm. he doesn't really seem to have that, like, bedside manner. He doesn't really seem to give two fucks about them too much. He has a line in there where he's just like, fuck it, send everybody to surgery so we can charge them a shit ton of money and the hospital can have money to pay us. Right. Fuck this shit. <laughs> you know, and that's an interesting side of doctoring too when you're encountering that type of doctor. Right. So so you kind of, you just get all different shades of, of you know, the medical world basically. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 there are there are moments like just going back really quickly to the whole COVID thing. I know people don't want to talk about that, but but there are moments that, that do make you frustrated where, you know, you think to yourself and, and you I, there's a line of dialogue somewhere in there about this where, you know, they talk about how they're just expected to work this much. You know, yeah. there's like we as a society, it, it's really funny when you think about it, how we just don't ever really consider this, you know, like you like you think to yourself, like, oh, if I, if I get injured at 2 a.m., there has to be somewhere that I can go and get fixed immediately, you know, mm-hmm. like like we just basically live under this impression of. It's it's just gonna be available for for us no matter what, right? Yeah. And and we never really consider the fact that in order to have that, there are people like this staff that are working, you know, eighty hour weeks that are working forty eight hour shifts, you know, mm-hmm. that are just like stressed to the bone in order to keep that up because of funding or you know lack of uh, a staff or whatever, and 
so so the film weirdly like does make you feel kind of frustrated for them yeah and just like yeah no it's crazy that you know people just expect you to just keep working <laughs> you know if, there, if there's someone in the waiting room you're, you're expected to to be there and doing your job so so there is that but then but then yeah there are certain <laughs> there are certain elements too in it that definitely made me like cringe at the doctors where you know having been through this whole pandemic you know, there's the moment where they find it or, or where they go to take a look at the infected body mm -hmm. or the infected patient. And like, they're not even wearing masks, <laughs> right? Like, like Dr. Akai, you know, has these masks laid out for them and they don't use them. And he has to like remind them. <laughs> He's got mask and goggles and they only put on the damn masks. Right. And it drives me nuts watching movies like this now because I'm always like, Put on your fucking mask! <laughs> this is an it's infectious a, disease! It's a goddamn piece of cloth on your face. It's not that big of a deal, you know? Like You're I was, doctors! Right, you are a doctor, sir! <laughs> <laughs> well, and especially after they've already, because this is the, the head nurse and Dr. Akiva, who have already talked about the fact that there's a problem with them putting patients in the same room and cross-contamination. So they're aware of cross-contamination, and yet they think that they won't get sick from this fucking infectious patient right so you just wonder to yourself like is it because of stress and they forgot or are they just not good at it <laughs> i don't know i feel like you see fucking green goop on the hospital curtains and you go fuck I, that shit i'm putting on a mask i, I mean yeah no that would <laughs> i would not be going into that room without a hazmat suit right? after after what we've been through you know like <laughs> and even then i'm not sure i would so <laughs> You know, but le but leading up to that, and speaking of just the incompetence of it, you know, is this sort of accident that happens to kind of set up the whole thing, and you know, this kind of whole like game of like, do they or do they not know? You know, <laughs> where where you you know you have this this whole incident with this horribly burned patient who we don't see their face; they're wrapped up like a mummy, and it, you know they're go they're going in the cardiac arrest and. Doctor uh, and Doctor Akiva ends up calling for I think it's sodium chloride, right? Yes, sodium and, chloride. Yeah, he, well, no, sodium chloride, and he meant to say chloride if I remember correctly. Oh, or he, he says both. So he says the right one first. He says the sodium chloride first, but when he calls for it again, that's when he says sodium chloride. So he technically uh, says both. Okay, well, I must not have <laughs> caught the first one, but okay, so he does. But he okay, fine. But he says sodium chloride. <laughs> And and the the fuck up nurse <laughs> goes and gets that for him, and it ends up killing the patient, right? Yeah. And then they all decide like, well, we're not going to tell anybody, and we're going to cover this up and <laughs> and pretend it didn't happen. Like and, you do. And, and in order to cover it up, we have to change the body chemistry, so we're going to put him into a room full of fucking heaters. <laughs> fucking to, bake the body. To, to bake this burnt body and like melt him <laughs> even further than he already is, you know, which is just horrifying. Like yep. I can't. Can you imagine being the person that has to sit in that room? And, and smell the and just, heated up decaying body. Just sit in there for Ugh. your like hour or two watch or whatever. Like, oh God, no. I, I don't know how none of them puke. <laughs> when <laughs> they they're in that do room. it off but camera. This is where we kind of see that, that darker side of it that again brings up that sort of mistrust of the medical community. Mm -hmm. Because something like this, you know, <laughs> it, it does make you start to wonder like, okay, how many cases like this are there in real life, you know? Yeah. Like, like how many situations like this have there been in real life where, you know, a patient does die because of a stupid mistake that they make mm -hmm. and they pretend it didn't happen, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no, they, they died during surgery thanks to, you know, cardiac arrest or whatever. And what they're not telling you is that they dropped a bag of M&Ms in their <laughs> chest, right? Like, you know, you just uh, A bag of M&Ms, <laughs> you know, for that mid-surgery snack. You know, and so, and then they had to like put it under a heater to melt all the chocolate inside and whatever. So, you know, but, but, but it makes you kind of wonder that. But in this particular case, you know, this is where, this is where the film becomes really interesting to me because it sort of sets up the idea. So we, we get the impression that something has happened. Like for some reason, this hospital isn't getting money. Yeah. And, and for some reason, no one will come work for them except for like the worst people at their job. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it made me start to kind of wonder, has something like this happened recently? Mm -hmm. You know, like, have they done this before? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it's it is really interesting because there is a lot of mystery surrounding the hospital because like Dr. Akiba even mentions to Dr. Izumi the fact that he hasn't even seen or talked to the director in two days. Like mm. this is this is the beginning of the movie where they're talking about the fact that the hospital is so poorly run and nobody has been in contact with the staff and ostensibly they're on their own. They don't even know if they're able to get paid again or anything like that. So, and again, I think I already mentioned nine nurses have left. They can't get anybody to work for them. So yeah, it does very much feel like something untowards has happened. Um, especially with untowards. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially with how everybody reacts to Dr. Akai when he shows up. Um, because nobody's just like, oh, hey, Dr. Akai's here. Everybody is straight like, oh, fuck a ghost. And he does look like no, a ghost. No, they're, they're not like, oh, fuck a ghost. They're like, oh, fuck, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Because he's a ghost. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. So I don't think that they think he's a ghost at the time. I fucking yeah. know he's a ghost. But... Well, we know he's a ghost. Yeah. But yes, the movie <laughs> the movie very clearly is like, hey, something's fucking wrong with this guy. Because he just showed up out of nowhere and he's kind of pale and looks like a damn ghost. <laughs> when he wears a white shirt and a white tie, he's a ghost. He's a ghost. Yeah, nobody wears white shirts and white ties, except maybe doctors. Ghosts. Which he is. Ghosts. <laughs> but, you know, I agree with you that it seems like something has happened, and especially, you know, right after the death has happened, and they're trying to discuss what they're going to do. And originally, most of them don't want to cover anything up. It isn't until um, Azumi is really mentioning that if we come forward about this, if we're honest— we could all lose our jobs and we could, mm. this could get on the news. We could be unhirable, which I think also leads to your theory that this has happened before. Um, and I think that that kind of highlights what we're talking about, this weird gray area too with, with doctors and just the fact that there is so much pressure on them, but they are expected to work 18 hour days and not make a mistake because if they do, they'll fucking kill somebody. Well, I mean, so this is the other side of it though, is that, you know, the other thing that the film does is like, again, it gives us the sympathetic side of them, mm -hmm. but it does show us basically not really just how they treat patients, but kind of how, again, how we as a public sometimes feel with the medical community and the fact that we're just not being listened to, right? Yeah. Um, because, you know, every single patient in this film is being ignored in some way. Yeah. Like, like again, you open up with the guy with the broken ankle who fell out of bed. Mm -hmm. You have uh, the burned man who the fucking syringe nurse is treating like her guinea pig and just sticking with the syringe over and over again. Yep. You have the guy with the concussion uh, or the head injury in the waiting room who nobody has paid any attention to, and for some reason they don't seem to think it's a problem that he's wrapped his head in something <laughs> and that maybe he has a head injury, you know? Yep. Uh, you've got the, the old woman that they just let wander around and don't really yep. seem to take care of. Like, every patient in this is just being completely ignored. Mm -hmm. And it, so that's why I start to wonder, like, is has something like this happened in this hospital before? Yeah. And you have to think, like, if the hospital's been around at least a few years... With the history of it, I'm sure things like this have happened. Well, to be fair, Azumi has murdered somebody. You know, that, that ends up coming out later, you know, when he's confronting, like, the ghost. The actual ghost. Once everybody's starting to, like, once we're starting to deal with the infection and everything like that, that's Izumi's big trigger, is the fact that he's being confronted by the ghost of a man he murdered. Mm. Um, because the family asked him to. Because the, the older man was too much of a burden. Um, and so Izumi was just like, yeah, sure, I guess I'll just let him die. Yeah, well, I mean, well, so... <laughs> So first off, the infection here, I mean, disgusting. <laughs> like <It's> so <laughs> gross. You know, like I said, the film doesn't really have much gore. It's it's Nickelodeon it's green slime. goo. But it is disgusting. <laughs> it's very effective, you know? Like, just the idea of this disease or whatever that liquefies your insides yep. until you just become Ooh, a melty, melty green pile. You know, it's pretty gross. It's straight out of Troll 2. <laughs> but grosser. And... But, but you know, what you were just saying there with Azumi, so this is, <laughs> this is where I disagree with you that the film isn't exactly straightforward mm -hmm. and is very cerebral, is that, and, and maybe it's easier to figure out, I don't know, but, like, to me, the infection, I, I basically get the sense that the, 
the infection works in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the first thing we can touch on is that it, it works in the way of guilt. Yep. You know, I, I view this infection as very much like a guilt-based thing because, again, you, you open up with that red siren, right? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of red in the movie. There's the red siren. There's the apple uh, that the one woman is describing, like how, you know, when we are looking at that apple, the color doesn't change under the light. Oh, the only doctor who gets to go home at night and sleep. <laughs> yeah, the only one who gets to go home at night and sleep. Like, she's, she's got this apple, and she's basically describing, like, how we basically perceive things as we want to, in a sense, you know? Yeah. Uh, because we believe that apple's red, so it looks the same under light and not under light. It's still the same shade of red. Mm-hmm. And and then, most importantly, we got the scene where Akiba and Uzumi are talking about what you mentioned with, you know, what to do with the patients. And as they're talking, we get that sort of, like, red siren flashing in the room. And we kind of hear that uh, that sound effect that they've been playing every time that pops up. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, it makes me think of the idea that you know, what is an infection or like, how does it start? And the way that it always starts is with like a redness, you know? Yeah. Like if you're a rash, a rash. like if you get a, an infected injection or something, it's going to start red and then spread. Right. Yeah. And so I sort of kind of feel like that's setting us up for like, you know, this is an infection that's coming to them because they are full of guilt because yeah. they are, you know, being torn apart basically on the inside by what they have done and what they do when they decide to let this patient or when they decide to cover up this patient's mm-hmm. death, you know, to bake it, him like a potato. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's this infection that's spreading through them. And I think that's also kind of why, you know, it liquefies your intestines because if it is a guilt based one, you know, what does guilt do, but sort of eat you from the inside out. It hurts your tum tum. <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> No, I, the way that I take the infection is very much twofold because, look, the, the cast that we're watching, these characters are at the end of their fucking rope. Everybody on staff that night is fucking exhausted. They've been pushed to their limit. They're snapping at each other. They're making mistakes and their patients are suffering for it, you know, whether intended or not. And so, yeah, for me, I view it as we've all had those moments where we're just so tired and everything just fucking breaks because you can't take it anymore. And so that's how I kind of feel with this. And, and each person, how they respond to the infection and how they ostensibly off themselves, you know, because of it, I think very much ties into what they're feeling guilty and exhausted and stressed about. You know, like the head nurse, you know, she's feeling guilty because the, the hospital's not stocked. That's her big thing to take care of her patients. It's not stocked. They're exhausted. And that's the reason why she puts her hands in the fucking biohazard bin. This is like my least I, favorite scene. I would say that's not the reason she does that. But yes, that's what connects them, I guess. <laughs> she doesn't go, oh, we don't have any syringes. Boil my hands. <laughs> well, I think that that's like, you know, her like personification of her guilt. But yeah, like, I feel like you have that with her, you know, as we already talked about, you know, he's feeling guilty because he murdered somebody asshole you know and then we have our our rookie nurse our needle nurse sort of a thing her death is the worst one for me because i fucking hate needles and you know i really feel for her because her big thing is that like she was in a hospital she had good nurses that's all she wants to be but she fucking sucks at this job she Mm. sucks at this job and she hurts her patients and since she can't live up to this image in her head she's just jabbing herself with the giant fucking those are the biggest syringes i've ever seen Right. And and this is all, you know, this is all going on before the patient even arrives too. Mm-hmm. like, you know, e- even before the red that I mentioned is that, you know, you have to think to yourself like, OK, also, where does infection come from? Right. And mm-hmm. it's these dirty, infected places. And so that's why I like the the setting of the hospital and the way that it appears, because all of the all of the sort of grime and dustiness and just, you know, unkemptness of the hospital I, that's more of a reflection, not just of the fact that they're, you know, understaffed and uh, and underfunded, but more of a, a reflection of the fact that they are all breaking. You know, they yeah. are all becoming sort of decrepit on the inside uh, because they, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, feeling guilty about what they're able to do for patients, feeling guilty about something bad they've done, not feeling up to task, whatever mm-hmm. it is. They're, they're all being worn down and torn apart, you know, and so the setting is already kind of reflective of that, 
And so that kind of makes it easier for, like, the infection to seep in, so to speak, right? Yeah. And kind of infect their bodies. And I I hope this is making sense. (laughs) Like, I'm basically just saying, like, on a metaphorical level, Mm -hmm. they are in an environment. They are an environment that is ripe for this kind of guilt infection, right? Yeah. And on the other side of that, though, and this is, again, why I think the movie's actually pretty brilliant and not really as straightforward as you might say, Mm -hmm. is that... You know, I think the infection works on multiple levels because the other thing going on here is that I think if you really wanted to, you could also make a case that this entire staff, or at least some of them, or maybe just the patients, are all ghosts. And they are essentially stuck in a sort of purgatory, kind of reliving this agony essentially okay so and let me explain why yeah, no, so, <laughs> I'm, good. I'm, I'm gonna be patient why so, are they all so, fucking ghosts so i think i think all of the clues are there because okay. on one hand is you've fucking swing set well the swing set's part <laughs> of it and by the way i can answer that swing set question so when we first watched this movie chris you know made a comment to me of like what the fuck is going on with that swing set uh-huh and it, uh, to me it's easy there's a little boy in the hospital oh yeah the, the uh, kid in the fox mask the kid in the fox mask who by the way not one person in the movie ever acknowledges. <laughs> one of the nurses looks at him, but that's it. Nobody talks to him. But do, but does she look at him? Or she does doesn't... she look at the bed he's sitting in? I Ex- see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, right. Does she look at him? Like, nobody ever actually acknowledges this kid, but he's wandering around. And he's also right outside the room where, you know, the body is being baked, right? Like, yeah. he, he goes up to that room. And, and so that kid, I think, is a ghost swinging in the swing set. Mm-hmm. And... It, this is kind of all over the place, so bear with me. But <laughs> but uh, the clues are there to me. And again, it, this doesn't make it fact that I believe this. <laughs> but if you kind of go back to the sort of early on in the film, you, ha- again, have that conversation between Akiba and Uzumi. Uh, hopefully I said those right. Where they, they are talking about how they haven't heard from the director since yesterday, right? Yeah. Well, that seems odd, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the fact that they have not heard from the person who runs their hospital. And then when you have uh, the patient that arrives, the paramedics, you know, they show up and they're talking to Akiba about the patient. And when Akiba seems to deny accepting the patient, suddenly the ambulance pulls up and the whole hallway is just flooded with this white light, right? Yeah. And it suddenly turns very creepy. And the paramedic you know, he's has being a judgy bitch. He's being a judgy bitch, but he has a very like sort of, you know, kind of flat sort of emotion, you know, where he's just like, would you would you dare deny this patient or whatever? And, and it reminds me of like those um, those old folk tales, you know, about not accepting the the injured person into your home for warmth or whatever. And it turns out to be a fucking witch that curses you and some shit. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think of like, this seems very uh purgatory like you know this seems very much like they're almost like these angels bathed in this white light Mm -hmm. that are kind of like uh, once again offering this opportunity to make the right choice and akiba is once again making the incorrect choice Mm -hmm. by trying to turn them away right and (laughs) which you know what fuck those judgy angels i have to say that this is the only point that i'm like potentially on akiba's side because we know that Akiba is turning this patient away because they don't have supplies or staff to actually take care of this patient mm. the way that this patient needs. This is an infectious patient that needs to be sequestered and looked after, and he does not have the fucking staff. And this Joji Angel is just like, fuck you. You're going to take <laughs> care of this person. Well, well, look, so this is what I'm getting at, is that that person never existed. No. it's a, They're all ghosts. They're all and, ghosts. And, you know, like, we never see the face of the patient, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that's because who else do we never see the face of the person wrapped up that's been burnt badly, you know, although we, although we later interpret that it's supposed to be Dr. Akai, which I well, think is such bullshit. No, 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 no. I don't think it is Akai. No, it, in a sense, you know, Akai is kind of seen through this body. Uh, hopefully we're making some semblance <laughs> of sense here. But so so what I what I think happened here and we're never told really clearly at all mm-hmm. <laughs> But what I think happened here is I do think that there was some sort of incident and it can be, it can be whatever you want it to be. You know, it can be that, uh, that they, that they accidentally killed a Kai somehow, or that they did kill a patient and a Kai knew and they killed him or, you know, or, or you could even say like, 
maybe this whole thing happened and they were baking this body and they accidentally set the hospital on fire and everyone burned to death, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, if you look around this hospital, I mean, the land seems pretty fucking barren around it, right? Yep. And the hospital itself is so decrepit that it kind of looks like, you know, you could make an argument that it looks like it's been, it's had a nice coat of paint put over all the burn marks, right? Yeah. So so it, it gives me this impression that something horrible happened at this hospital and all these people are dead. Mm-hmm. And they're all just kind of dealing with this sort of purgatory where they're being faced with all the wrongs that they've committed. Mm-hmm. You know, all their failures, all the bad decisions that they've made. And it's basically punishment. I have a third possible option for you. Go for it. <laughs> um, so all of the doctors that we see, all the doctors, all the nurses, even um, Dr. Um, Nakazono, who is the female doctor, who's the psychologist or whatever the fuck she is, who gets to go home and sleep, all of them get the infection. Except for one. There's one person who never gets the infection, and that's, I can't even find him in the cast list, but that's the fucking failed um, pediatrician that, like, has the altercation with the the head surgeon, Dr. Kishida, played by Moro Moroko, who is the only one who, like, also actively murdered somebody because he murders the surgeon, this failed pediatrician. So, you know, if we're going to go with, like, the whole staff died, I think he did it. I think he killed everybody. <laughs> I think that's making it too complicated. Like, I'm just... <laughs> well, then what the, the fuck is the point of this boy who gets no infection, but he does, like, perform sutras on a live patient, live person? I don't know. He had nothing to do with it. You know, he's just... He's, <laughs> he's just, just off in his own world murdering? He's, yeah, he's just off in his own... No, not murdering. He's just off in his own world the whole time. <laughs> he killed that surgeon. Because he did the sutras on the surgeon that was sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> okay, yes, he made he made the sutras on the surgeon, but that would make him a murderer. So that's that still fits in my point of he's in purgatory being punished. Okay, fine. So so yes, I, I get the sense that they're all in this kind of like hellish purgatory, whatever you want to call it. So I think it I do think it's really interesting that you kind of view this whole thing as like a purgatory and they're already ghosts because this movie for being an infection movie, I think, does have a lot of haunting stuff with it. Mm. Um like you already kind of mentioned like the swing set, but for me I feel like in addition to like if the infection is a version of like their guilt and stuff like that, um, I do think we also get glimpses at the things that haunt doctors, specifically like with the the ghost who shows up to mourn the burned person, you know. And so I think that we do get these cool kind of haunting moments of, again, not only guilt but the other things that hang over doctors, um, like dealing with loved ones, um, you know, dealing with their mistakes and stuff like that. So I think they're getting haunted on two senses if that makes any sense uh (laughs) no but (laughs) no i i mean look so so first of all you know this being japanese horror i i'm not surprised that there's the ghostly element to it Mm -hmm. you know for whatever reason like a lot of their or maybe it's just a lot of what americans end up seeing but (laughs) a lot of their stuff does tend to deal with kind of the supernatural and ghosts and whatnot and so and this is another thing that I think is kind of clever and fun about infection is it's not just about, you know, this mysterious green goop disease. Mm-hmm. It's also a ghost story. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think all the signs are there that it is because, you know, first of all, like I was saying before and, and why I think that they're in purgatory right from the beginning is saying that they haven't heard from the director since yesterday implies to me that they're all actually dead and they're just reliving the same day over and over again. Mm-hmm. A Groundhog's and, Day, if you will. <laughs> And then you have, like, all these different sort of things going on. Like, there's a constant play of the way that reflections are used in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have the the old woman who, every time, you know, she has dementia or whatever, and every time she looks in the mirror, uh, she's seen, like, the ghost of her family or something. Yeah. And later on in the film, you know, she's looking in the mirror, and she sees, like, the nurses in the reflection, and she's going, oh, you're still there, you know talking to her mm-hmm. as if to imply like she's a ghost being seen in the mirror you know like there's also that shot where the nurse is like running up the stairs and there's just a random mirror there for some reason that makes no sense right yeah. like it like it shouldn't be there but but it is and i think that all this constant use of reflections and windows and whatever it is on one hand to kind of imply sort of the supernatural and that they are kind of like a ghost of themselves mm-hmm. but also just like guilt itself is a reflection on yourself right it's a reflection on on what you've done and who you are 
And so they're all kind of dealing with that and sort of seeing themselves in the mirror. Yeah. You know, and sort of seeing themselves in these reflections and kind of having to deal with, like, this is who I am and this is what I've done. Mm-hmm. So so it's kind of working, again, twofold in that sense. And then, yeah, of course, Akai is very much like a fucking ghost because he only <laughs> shows up after, you know, the patient's been killed. We don't meet him ever <laughs> yeah. until, like, 45 minutes into the movie, right? And and so he basically shows up and is like, hey, I'm a fucking ghost and I'm here to haunt your asses. And <laughs> here's an infected patient. Yeah. So you definitely get that kind of vibe that like basically just through the whole thing, you're getting this vibe that there's that nothing is right. Yeah. You know, something supernatural is going on. Nothing is right. Even long before the patient gets there, something's just not right about this. Right. Yeah. Everything feels distorted and reflected wrongly. Right, and you even have the line where the woman says, you know, a lot of what we see is actually a product of our mental process. And so I think that with that, you know, that's another thing you can interpret different ways where you can either say, you know, they haven't accepted that they're dead, and Mm -hmm. so they're kind of reliving this, essentially, uh, or they have all gone fucking crazy and (laughs) are just kind of, you know, maybe as we kind of end up learning in the end, maybe Akiba is, you know, killing everybody and and he and we as the audience are just seeing it a different way to try to explain to his mind what's happening because he's gone fucking crazy although i still think it's a purgatory hellish kind of thing because you also have the line uh from the old man what the old man that uh azumi kills where he says they say we're judged at the end of our days and again it feels like all these people being judged yeah by what they've done and what they haven't done so i think that the idea of the purgatory is really interesting especially when we look at the like end of the movie um like personally i have to admit like i love the reveal when we find out that like akiba's been talking to himself and then we look around and the nurses are suddenly not covered in green goo i do think that kind of lends credence to your idea that akiba killed everybody because when we look the two nurses we see is the rookie nurse and the bitchy nurse i don't know if you noticed but they have the exact same wounds Mm. Um, they both have the exact same head wound, and I think that they both have, like, similar, like, chest wounds, which is very different from how their green goop died, which I thought was really cool. I do think it's interesting looking at his purgatory because at the very end, we're, we're done with Akiba. He's disappeared off into, like, the fucking locker to dissolve, like, a fucking... He's in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> He's in the Twilight Zone. We go back to Dr. Uh, Dr. Nizu- uh, Nizuno, um, and I think where your purgatory stuff kind of ties all in is that she sees the right colors. She's seen everything is red. Nothing's been inverted until she's a fucking dick about the patient. But I guess you're right. It's not as super straightforward as I thought it was. Yeah, showed you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Continue. But, you know, I think that she's our last purgatory victim because, again, she gets the infection at the very end of the movie, right? Like, she's our last victim where everything turns green for her. And for me personally, again, I feel like it ties back into that sense of, like, doctor guilt and stuff like that, that she's not a very good doctor, and now it's all catching up with her. And now she's not allowed to leave the hospital either. Well, I mean, on that idea of guilt, though, you know, I think that it becomes kind of interesting, too, in, like, just the order of the way that everyone's sort of picked off, because, mm-hmm. you know, Akiba's are. Well, aside from her that you just mentioned, Akiba's basically our last, you know, body to drop, right? Yeah. And and again, why I think it's a sort of purgatory, they're reliving this over and over again, is that when he's in room, what is it, three that the yes. body's in? Mm-hmm. When he's in room three, like, he sees the locker open. Mm-hmm. The locker that he ends up dying in, you know, and... To me, it's like it's a premonition of like what's going to happen to him eventually, uh, and you could even argue if you wanted to because there are no rules for purgatory mm-hmm. that that's like on a parallel timeline or whatever, or that is him himself, you know, sort of opening the locker and saying like, "Come on in, bitch. This is where you're gonna end up later. <laughs> this is your new and, home. Yeah, this is gonna be your new home." And so, you know, so that kind of factors into it. And then it, Akiva himself, I, I just I got the impression through the film that. In some ways, he feels least guilty, almost, yes. you know, uh, where it, ju- it just seems to feel like everyone around him, you know, they, they succumb to guilt very quickly. Uh, you know, they're, they're just broken by it. 
And he seems to be the only one that's just kind of getting through it like, it's just another day, <laughs> you know? And, and granted, it's harder on him than that, mm -hmm. but he definitely seems to be more collected about a lot of this, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, so it almost kind of feels like if you do look at the infection as a guilt-based sort of thing, it, it gets him last because it takes until the end for him to really start to feel that, perhaps. Mm -hmm. You know, like it takes a long time for this infection to set in, because he's not so easy to get through as these other people who almost immediately feel like, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it takes Dr. Akai pointing out ostensibly that he got everybody else killed. Right, exactly. Which could also explain, too, maybe, you know, his whole vision of, or you know, murdering everyone, basically. Mm -hmm. We don't really know what that is. And the thing is, again, if you want to look at them as being ghosts, I think the last thing to tie that in is maybe Akiba did go crazy. And maybe mm -hmm. Akiba murdered all of them, and we're essentially in his hell. And and if we're not in his hell, we're in this hospital's hell where they're all basically having to kind of confront and deal with that. And it, the infection is sort of like an easier way of confronting the fact that he murdered everyone. You know, it's it's easier to believe that some kind of supernatural infection destroyed you all at a hospital instead of your trusted boss or companion murdered all of you because he was stressed the fuck out <laughs> i mean green goop is a lot less guilt inducing than blood i mean it's really hard to take like nickelodeon slime coming out of your colleague seriously yes it is and which by the way i love that last shot of you know akiba in the locker where the hands kind of coming out and all the green goop is dripping out of it it very much reminded me of like you know either a goosebumps cover Yes. Or like, or like something, maybe even something you'd see in Creepshow, you know, it just, it just has like that really cool sort of like comic book vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Especially with the arm dissolving and like falling to a splat pattern. But I do find it interesting that like Akiba's last words, which I think resonates with everything throughout <laughs> this movie, it's his last things that he's saying is help me. Like, this whole movie has been about the fact that, you know, doctors really aren't helping their patients the way that they should. And so I think that it's really kind of powerful as he's dissolving for this doctor to be calling out for somebody, anyone else, to help him in a way that he wasn't able to help his patients. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it goes to the fact that, you know, doctors need help, too. Yeah. And, again, the thing that we don't think about, you know, going back to what I was saying about how, you know, we as a society expect them to just keep working and doing their job and you know the, sa the same with cops like look we i criticize cops i'm not a fan of cops um it doesn't mean that i don't feel that cops need help yeah you know and that cops need some sort of therapy to kind of deal with their job because they have a difficult job mm -hmm. there's a lot of them that are shit at it but there are good ones that you know are need doing help. a very difficult job and and it's the same with doctors like doctors need help too you know and it's a lot of stress to be dealing with that kind of stuff so you know, I think that's the hammer in the message of just Akiba, let's say that he did go crazy and murder everybody and that they're all trapped in this hell now. You know, yeah, him saying help me is like maybe it would have been different had he gotten help or had he been given the help that he needed. Yeah. You know, so. If the hospital had the money <coughs> or the staff. Well, or <coughs> well, it's just an indictment on the entire medical system as it is, you know, whether it's in Japan or America or anywhere else. It, it's just an indictment on the fact that it's just not what it should be yeah. really no matter where you go no matter where you go there's not a there's not a good wealth of you know mental health for people because mental health has such a stigma yep. it feels like almost everywhere you go yeah so, so you do definitely get the sense that yeah you know that's kind of what this is saying here is like we need to provide for doctors so that doctors can provide for us Aww. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we gotta start wrapping up. So, who is your killer idiot of infection? Okay, so I have to give it to the head nurse for sitting in the room with a dissolving body. Like, props to her for like trying to do her job, but that is awful. Like, she should have just fucking left that room. Wait, you're saying you're saying the idiot is the nurse who sat with the body? Why does that make her stupid? <laughs> she just fucking should have left. That's just gross. Okay, um, I'm going to say Akiba for suggesting sodium chlorate, because that was kind of a fucking dumb shit move. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, what about your killer death? 
Uh, for me, that's the the rookie nurse, the syringe nurse, when she fucking like Evil Dead explodes her head by shoving two needles into it. Yeah, that was also mine because like you know none of the deaths in particular are shown very much or mm-hmm. like or very very much. Uh, but yeah, her just exploding Evil Dead style and splattering goo- green goop everywhere, so good. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, what about your killer MVP? Uh, so that goes for me. That goes to Yuchi Matsui, who did the special effects makeup for all of this, because I thought that they did just such a good job of making like the characters look creepy and the gross blood work. It's all really impressive, and I think that really adds to the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, the sound design, just because I, you know, the whole sound design team, just because I think all of the the sound effects, the atmospherics of the movie. Are really what make it strongest, you know. Yeah. Like any any time I think of this film, it's not because of the cast or or the green goop. Although of course I you know got images <laughs> of the green goop, but you know it's not necessarily because of all that. It's just I I think of just the eerie atmosphere of it, and a lot mm-hmm. of that comes from the sound, which you know kicks off with the whole red siren and kind of like the the way that they've warped that sound to kind of play throughout the film. So. So every week on Twitter, at Claire Critics, for as long as Twitter still exists, uh, we put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Infection? I mean, it's an international film and not super well known, so I'm going to have to say never seen it. You are correct. Uh, so 13.3% said love it, 0% said it's fine, oh. 0% said don't like it. And a whopping 86.7% have never seen it. So I guess I expected wah, that, wah. but definitely reaffirms my belief that this film is way too underseen. <laughs> yeah. So if you have listened to it through all this and haven't seen it yet, please go watch this movie despite yep. not knowing or despite knowing everything about it. Um, so we always take comments from you all as well at Killer Critics on Twitter. And since this was so underseen, we only got one. So, <laughs> uh, so our one comment is from at Cenobite Kurt. So that's C-E-N-O-B-I-T-E-K-U-R-T. And they say, I love this film and it still creeps me out. The idea behind the story is an interesting one too. Creepy hospital movies are just great, really. They get under my skin so much. This movie does a fantastic job just with how creepy the entire thing is. Yeah, no, I actually am one of the rare people that I think probably likes Halloween 2 just a touch more than the first one. And it's not because I think it's a better made movie. Halloween is definitely a better made movie. But Halloween 2, I just love the setting. I love the creepy hospital setting. I, I love a lot of films with that setting. You know, there's just something about hospitals that has that sort of atmospheric horror vibe that I just can't get enough of. Uh, and, and which is why I can't wait to talk about our movie next week, X-Ray, which is also very underseen. Because that has a really great creepy vibe to it. Uh, so thank you at Cinebite Kurt for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, as far as releases go this week, just a couple I want to mention. First up is a film called Missing, which will be on VOD by the time you're listening to this. And it's basically, I don't know quite how to describe it because it's not necessarily horror. It's basically like a crime thriller sort of drama that involves three different parts of a story being told from different perspectives about a girl and her father. And her father is in need of money because he's a deadbeat. And he goes off to try to capture this serial killer uh, to get the money, the reward money for it, and then disappears. And we basically get kind of perspectives of all three of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, really great film. Very dark. Some very hard moments to watch in it. But it, it, it just it knocked me out. It was just so emotionally moving and difficult. And it... You know, it, it's just one of those movies where, like, it's going to hurt watching it, mm-hmm. but it's very effective. And if you're into that kind of stuff, you know, these very human stories, uh, I highly recommend it. I really, really liked it. Um, and then last, and you can read my review for that on KillerHorrorCritic.com. And then lastly is The the Menu with my beloved Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, <laughs> which will be which will be in theaters on the 18th. I have not seen this yet, but everyone I know who has seen it loved it. So I mean, it looks amazing and it looks amazing. So definitely go check that out. I don't really, I don't even know how to describe what it's about because the trailer doesn't tell us much, which <laughs> I love more trailers should do that. <laughs> and then, like I mentioned next week, we're going to be talking about the film X-Ray, which I believe you can stream on Tubi, which is free. Go check it out. Do your homework, do whatever. 
Uh, other than that, that's going to do it for us on Infection. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.